0: everybody to another episode of Our Hometown. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Tristan She is the owner-operator of Welcome Home Cleaning, uh, board member of the Happy Girls Don't Do That, local chairwoman of Gillette, of Gillette Friends of the NRA. That's a mouthful.
1: That is. You did well, though.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that I have it written out only took me how many times <laughs> writing it down to get it right. So how you been?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Oh, you know, just enjoying this lovely weather that we're about to get. Right. I hope it hits, like, tonight, tomorrow, so I'm just going to work tomorrow night. Yeah. That's my goals anyway. So you don't get snowed in? It's not so much of getting snowed in, I just don't want to go.
1: Well, that's fair.
0: You know, I got two more shows after this one to do, and then that means that's, like, 18 hours worth of editing to get do. It's just me that does it.
1: So it's a full-time job on top of your full-time job.
0: Well, I I don't know if you listened to my last one with Tristan – or. Uh Kristen Ratheye, she like I was talking to her about that, like how this is I've always looked at this as a opportunity to get out of welding. And like that, I have to look at it as a job to stay more consistent with it. And she's like, you know, a job is just over broke. Quote looking at it as a job and as an investment. Like it has an investment for you, your future, your family, you know, change your mindset about it. So I've been trying to do that. So like it's I'm more consistent with instead of going and playing Call of Duty and drinking beer actually sit down and drink beer and edit podcasts
1: (laughs) well you know and she's got a great point as long as you invest in what you do i think you'll see benefits on that on both ends
0: yeah well you know mindset it's all about your mindset and how you look at things absolutely so let's get into a little bit of this uh let's start off with the happy girls don't do that what what exactly is that
1: Kyle. It is one of the best organizations I think I've ever been able to be part of. Um, I was asked to serve on the board and at first I was a little leery and now I feel very honored. We have put together a board of fantastic people in this community. I'm going to miss some of them, um, but Melinda Perry from Melinda Perry Consulting, set the whole thing up. She's asked people like Denton Knapp to serve with us on this board, Jim Hastings, Susan Barnes, Michelle Geffrey. Um, I know Michelle. Do you? Yeah. She's a super nice lady.
0: Yeah, she's, we uh, Our family go way back. Her and my mom used to be super close. Oh, wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, she'll have some information for you, too. If Perfect. You, if you're in contact, she... She supports us fully, and she's she's always got some really great ideas. So. And yeah,
0: she's she's pretty involved with a lot of things. She she's is always has been.
1: Yep, and very passionate. She's yeah. she's she's got a lot of passion for the things that she invests her time in, and I think that's great.
0: So, what exactly does this organization do? Like, what is the premises of it? What is the purpose?
1: We saw. Well, I shouldn't say we. I won't take the credit. Melinda saw a opportunity and opportunity for. Change mm-hmm. and what she started noticing. She's a strength coach for um, the strength. For can we pause? what is it? She's a strength coach. She's a strength coach, and she works a lot with the youth in the community okay. and things like that, and what she got to noticing was there's a lot of youth that has the same problems. The, the, um, the bullying issue is very, very bad. The, um, issue with self-esteem, all those kind of things, she started noticing that they're just getting more and more all the time. And what she's figured out is there's not a whole lot of information on why there's not a whole lot of information on why there's the rise in it? There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of information on statistics, so she went digging, and what she found was just incredible. I mean, it's it's really sad, but it was incredible what she found. She found that in young girls from the age of ten to fourteen, the second leading cause of death is suicide, yep, and that's second only to cancer.
0: So, uh, how does how does how does the nuclear family play into that? You know, because like nowadays, divorce is so prominent in our nation. There's not there's always a mom there's you know very rarely a dad involved in a lot of these situations but with a single mom she's not only having to work one job sometimes two and then on top of all the other stuff do you think that plays in a part to some of these issues that are in our youth
1: i think inconsistency Mm -hmm. plays a big issue and you find a lot of that in broken homes um, you also find a lot of people that can't work together. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily the divorce. I think it what comes from toxic divorce or toxic separation, which is where we don't co-parent very mm-hmm. good because broken people are broken all the way around. And that means they're broken with their spouse. They're broken with their ex. They're broken with their children. And it's proven that hurt people hurt. So they're coming from these toxic, toxic environments and they're just breeding that toxicity. And whether that's not standing up for themselves or believing in themselves, or passing it on to the next person mm-hmm. at school or wherever they go, what you're finding is that these hurt people are just passing that along. And so mm-hmm. we have to find a way to stop that. Stop the cycle. Exactly. Yep. With our with our youth, with our parents. You mm-hmm. know, you hit that spot on. And what Happy Girl stands for is finding the positivity that is around you. And infecting the people around you with positivity. Mm-hmm. And I, I genuinely mean infecting. If I yeah. catch positivity and I sit here in front of you and I'm happy and I'm, you know, ambitious and I'm focused and I and I give you that positivity, that's going it's scientific scientifically proven, mm-hmm. it's actually going to spread to you. And when you go to the grocery store or to the post office, you're going to infect the next person that you see with positivity and happiness as well.
0: Well, it's kind of amazing, like, just a simple act of holding the door open for somebody. You know, like, Kendall, my oldest, he's pretty, pretty good about holding the door open. And, like, we'll always get, well, thank you, young sir. You know, and it's, like, that. it looks like when that person walks in, it looks like they have a scowl on their face. And then they get the door held open, and it's, like, kind of a, just a, well, that was nice.
1: Right. And it's, it's literally that one small act. Mm -hmm. And as adults, we've kind of gotten to a place where we've learned that, you know, a smile at the store. Thank you. How's your day? You know, that kind of interaction. But for some reason, it's not transpiring over to our youth Mm -hmm. and they're just getting closed off and angry. Our youth is so angry. And so what we want to do is showcase that that one little act, it really can make the difference. Mm -hmm. And it, it's like the snowball effect.
2: What
0: do you think uh, social media plays into that?
1: Oh, it's huge. I, unfortunately, don't have the statistics on hand. But um, what we're finding about social media is that they, it's something that allows people right into your front door. Mm -hmm. You know, when you or I were kids and we got bullied or we got, you know, because so many people have. I don't know if you'll come across anybody who says, oh, no, I've never been bullied. Um, What used to happen is you would come home. And if you had a supportive family, you would walk in the front door and your mom would be waiting or your dad would be waiting. And how was your day? And you would just kind of decompress. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding and what studies are showing is that that doesn't happen anymore. They come home from school. These kids come home from school. They open up their door. They get out their phone, their tablets, their whatever. And it's right there in their own home.
0: And they're getting the shit kicked out of them
1: online. Exactly. You know, for instance, I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. And if I had somebody who was harassing my kid come to my front door, I would say, no, you can't come in. But we're allowing that anyway. When you put the cell phones or the tablets or the you know internet access into the hands of your kids, and I'm not, I'm not bashing the internet, mm-hmm. I'm not... But you're allowing that right into your own front door. And what we need to do is teach our youth how to process that healthy, you know, in a, in a healthy way that it does happen. And we also need to teach the bullies and, and the kids that are doing this to, you know, find a different method.
0: There's a guy, his name's Dan Halloway. I, I quote him a ton because I, I think a lot of things that he says are pretty accurate. He's kind of like a... He's a dumber version of Jordan Peterson. You know who that is? I he's don't. a he's he's a <clears throat> psychiatrist from Canada, and he talks. He doesn't talk in layman terms. Like he uses really big words, and so when I listen to Jordan Peterson, I got to stop the podcast, go look it up. What are like these? What do these words mean? What is he trying to get at? But like Dan Holloway, he's an he's a army vet, and he has a podcast called uh, Citizen. Anyways, he got to talking about bullying, and how we fix bullying. you, got, you know people that are bullies. And he basically said it takes one strong person to go to that bully and say, this isn't correct, your actions aren't right, what's going on? You know, stop the bullying, and then once you get this bullying stopped, go back to the bully and ask him, what's going on, dude? How can I help you? What do we need to talk about? How can we change this? And it's usually the people that are the bullies are getting bullied at home from their parents or older siblings or, you know, Internet, Facebook, Instagram, and they have no outlet. So they'd turn around and put that on to people at school or whatever, and nobody's ever stepped in.
1: No, and I think you're spot on, and I'm really glad that you brought that up because it kind of um, sets us up for a a really neat program and um, a campaign, I guess you could call Mm -hmm. it, that Melinda is starting, and it's called the One Hero Campaign. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we can visit with and just kind of go from there. But basically it follows the same principles if one person stands up it takes one hero exactly and it takes one person outside of your social circle to stand up and say hey man this is done this isn't cool you're not you're not impressing anybody you know that one person can stand up and say you know the simplest phrase and change the course of everything
0: but you, but like along with that you can't excommunicate that person that's that's bullying you got to bring him into a social circle and Allow them to kind of get comfortable in their new skin, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. And it's just kind of that, like we talked about, just kind of fixing the t- toxicity. Mm-hmm. It's breeding that happiness back in and that positivity back in. And like you said, saying, you know, what can we do? You know, and bringing light to the fact that you don't have to behave this way in order to be seen. And I think that's what it is. You know, people want to be seen, and sometimes you don't want to be notice for who you are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if you can create a different environment, you think it kind of covers up what you're going through. And that's what we want to stop. Right. We want to say, I see you and I will see you exactly for who you are. You don't have to impress me with being mean because being mean isn't impressive. Take the mask off. Exactly.
0: And I, I do believe, I, I guess I hammer this a lot. Like I'm, I'm pretty anti social media. I think people hiding behind keyboards is not fair. It doesn't allow the doesn't allow you to see people's facial expressions, body language, and it's just so easy to say something really stupid that five minutes later, that if you were to say it to someone's face, you're going to regret it. Right. And like we try to do as much as we can to limit the exposure of social media to our boys and what they do and see online. You know that doesn't matter if it's YouTube. Netflix, Hulu, whatever. We try. We just try to stay on top of what exactly they're seeing and being involved in their life. There is, there is nothing stronger than a nuclear family, and I and the destruction of the nuclear family, I think, has taken its toll. And since what 1950s, when the divorce rate started going up, like became a uh, socially acceptable deal. 1950s, 1960s, right in there, and since then, we've seen school shootings on the uprise. We've seen the bullying, the abuse, the domestic violence, the alcoholism, the drug use go up. And and I I think we've really lost our way in the society as a family. Family is probably the most important thing that we could ever do. Regardless if it's Sarah and I are Sarah's my second wife. I'm her first husband, unfortunately for her. (laughs) But we have came together and Kendall's mom and I have come together and said this is how we're going to do things now granted that there's a few times that we have misunderstandings but we always find a way to work it out and I think that's really benefited Kendall to make him the young man that he is
1: right and I think personally I think when you have that commitment to your family it shows in your kids it Mm -hmm. shows in their behavior it shows in the behavior that they exhibit when they're outside of your home and if we can start as communities holding these kids accountable. Exactly. And that's I mean, that's an old school way of thinking. It really is. You know, when you were little and you misbehaved, somebody brought you home and explained your behavior to you all the way home and then you you got it again.
0: And not only that, but the parents didn't really care if you got your got a spanking <laughs> from that person. Right.
1: Right. And so you know, you see it and you had brought up social media and you see it so much when you say something on social media, you know, especially as a woman like okay, Karen. You know, yeah. you see that well, all we're doing is breeding a generation that is completely opposed to anybody disagreeing with right. them. And you're getting that from kids not being told no. Right. That's where it comes from is is you're not told no, you're not held accountable and that's mm-hmm. from anything from your chores to your homework to your behavior. And I, I think kids are missing that somewhere. I think there's we're doing an incredible disservice to our children when it comes to their behavior and what's expected out of them, whether someone's looking or not.
0: Well, and I think like a lot of our, our generation, you and I we're about the same age, but I think a lot of our generation problem of us raising our kids is that our parents were a lot harder on us than we are on our kids, and we, and we, I think we are that way because we knew what it felt like like our parents probably didn't do the greatest job of explaining why they are doing what they're doing it was a wooden spoon for every time you stepped out of line you know and now we're trying to do more of the coddling you know know, this is why we don't do that don't don't put the fork in the outlet you know uh, when we were kids put the fork in the outlet and find out I dare you you know and so we learned by mistake and now I think we're we're not we're not hard enough on our kids, I think we 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 coddle our kids too much and we we have excuses for their for the way they are you know the reason are the way they are instead of being like, you know, you screwed up, here's the consequences, you're gonna deal with it the end of it rather than it's all you know well, next time you do that, you know I'm gonna ground you, I'm gonna take your phone away we' need to be more consistent more. As I call it, real one's an iron fist, even though it's kind of a, not a proper way of saying that.
1: <laughs> well, and, you know, in aside from that, and maybe in addition to, I guess that's probably a better way to put it. In addition to, we also need to be more present. Yeah. You know, how many times have you go, I mean, as a family, we have a pretty big solid rule on if we go out to eat phones stay in the pickup Mm -hmm. and how often do you go out and you see families who are gathered together the gathering that used to be something that really meant something you're not just sitting down feeding your kids you're gathering and how many times do you go out and you see everybody's on their phone and the kids have tablets in their hand and you can't even sit and enjoy a meal out to eat you know and that comes from you know we were raised poor and when you went out to eat, that was a privilege. It was really an opportunity. It didn't happen all the time. Mm-hmm. And we're in such a fast-paced environment. Everything has to be done right now, and we have to know what's coming. And what do they call it? FOMO, isn't that? Oh, fear the fear Yeah, the FOMO fear. And, you know, that's such a real thing is we have to have that in our hand all the time because, God forbid, we miss something that's happening, you know, states and states and states Mm -hmm. away that doesn't even affect our life. And in turn, we're missing the things...
0: That are most important. That
1: are most important, that are sitting right in front of us. We're missing those so that we don't miss out on, you know, celebrities or, you know, the next best thing or who's doing what. And it's just unfortunate because family really used to mean something. And I think that when that happened, your children felt valued. Mm And maybe that's the whole principle. Maybe that's the whole, in a nutshell, is that our children have lost what that value means. You know, and schools have always had the bully. I mean, when you were in school, you had it. You know, we've always done that. And if you look at those, if you were to put them all in a group, I'm going to bet that they all had something very big in common. And like you were saying, it's that nuclear, you know, that nuclear environment that they're being raised in. And... I think we're just creating more of that and we're getting more absent every day.
0: Do you think uh, Campbell County, Gillette is kind of a a one-off? You know, basically everybody here works either swing shift or there's a lot of traveling for work. So they're like, the families aren't really whole all the time. Like, uh, you know, like when I'm on nights, that's basically, I don't see my family for three days, four days, however many you know nights I have to work. So, I mean, there's, that, that's basically two weeks I don't see my family.
1: Right, and I mean, you work with my husband. You know my husband really well, and um, we live the same lifestyle. And I think Gillette is such a fast-paced community. Um, it's a very involved community. So you have parents who, pre- you know, most households are dual-working mm-hmm. households. So you have moms that are, you know, busting their behind to grind, and you have dads who are doing the same thing. And then on the outside of that, you also have the sports Mm -hmm. and the programs and Gillette's very involved. So whether it's, it's board meetings or community service or whatever it is, we're giving so much of ourselves to everybody else that we're not bringing that same mentality into our homes. And I think, you know, Gillette is just a very fast paced environment, which is great. Um, Like I said, there's so much involvement that comes from this community, but maybe at the end of the day, you know, it's not...
0: You disconnect from the outside world I and just focus so. on
1: yeah, the home life. Absolutely. Um, you know, look at when COVID hit. You know, it's such a, a good example. Mm-hmm. I listened to a podcast that um, at the end of it, they ask you, when was the last time you were happy? It's a big question that they always ask. And they put it out and people email and then send in their voice recordings or whatever it is. And it really struck me. There was one on there, you know, sometimes it's when my grandkids come or things like that. And there was one gal on there and she talked about, she's a a CEO for a company. Mm -hmm. And she said, the last time I was happy is the morning I woke up and the world had shut down from COVID. And I was thinking, well, I remember the morning I woke up (laughs) and the world had (laughs) shut down. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You know? And then she went on and she started explaining it. And she said, I got up, I made coffee, my children slept in. She said, I stayed in my pajamas and I made pancakes. And she goes, I don't remember the last time I had made pancakes for my, for my children for breakfast. And it really struck a nerve because as a mom, especially a working mom, I get it. You know, sometimes I say, I just want to drink coffee in a real cup. That's mm-hmm. my biggest thing. When I get a morning where I can drink coffee out of a real cup and not a to-go mug, it's a good morning. And I think that's what it is, is just focusing on that. You know, what a, what a thing to say is I was so happy when the world shut down. That should be the biggest thing that you need to know about what we're doing as a society. Yeah.
0: No, that's uh. guess there, there's two sides to every coin, though, with that. But – When the world shut down, man, it was that was panic around some places. It was
1: rough, but you know, I I think about um the cars that were in the Home Depot parking lot. Mm -hmm. You know, do you remember that? Like everybody was at Home Depot and they were shopping and doing projects and what you know, it just kind of gave you time to refocus. And I would like to see the the statistics on, you know, what happened family-wise during that pandemic. I would like to see you know, how many more people, you know, didn't go to counseling or didn't, you know, got off social media or, you know, what are the numbers there that reflect on the fact that people were just home making dinner and, and sitting down as a family and enjoying life together?
0: Yeah, I mean, that'd be interesting statistics to see. Uh, I guess I'm my brain is so so political when it comes to COVID that it's hard for me to step away and look at the positive. Right. So, I mean, it, it takes me a minute to think of something like, like when I look back at what happened when they said no more school for kids and like, uh, what me and Sarah had to, had to rearrange our lives and everything else. And like, there, there was some good stuff out of it. Definitely. Like, there was some really good things like me, we, we got to spend more time with the boys. We'd set up the pool early, you know, and there was a lot of good things that, I should probably be more grateful for her
1: than looking at the negative. Yeah. is not, that when we started the podcast, you said that, um, Christy, Kristen. Kristen. Kristen had challenged you yeah. to, uh, to see that. And maybe, you know, like I said, it was just at first when she said, you know, when the world shut down, I was like, that's crazy. And, right. but when you really stop to think about it, you know, maybe there were some good things that came out of, you know, like you said, such a, I don't want to say politically motivated time, but, um. You know, just a hard time, I guess. A challenging time. Challenging time.
0: Is uh, Happy Girls Don't Do That, is that something that they're trying to get into the schools?
1: We have been working with Kip from the Campbell County School District okay. to introduce our program. Um, the school district has a couple of... of um, programs that they're working with now and for the life of me I cannot think of the the name of it but basically they're grant funded programs Mm -hmm. and so and I'm not knocking them by any means I think anything that you can bring to these school districts that teach these kids positivity and acceptance is is a benefit Um, but they are grant funded and grant-funded means money. right? And so what happens is you're asking teachers who are already overwhelmed, they're mm-hmm. already strapped as far as they can, to teach another program, to teach another course, another class, whatever, an assembly, whatever it is, squeeze more into your day as an educator. And our educators are, they're to their max, right. you know? and then they're teaching these courses out of pamphlets and books. And as an English teacher, you're now teaching an anti-suicide campaign. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not a counselor. You're an English teacher. Right. And so, like I said, grants are money. And when the money is gone, so is the program. And so you bring in this program and you wait for the next one and you wait for the next one. And there's no consistency and there's no um, structure to what they're learning. Although great, they're... Not structured and they're not consistent. And so, what Happy Girls is wanting to do and what we were trying to do is get into the school districts and bring coaches into the school district who this is their job. Mm -hmm. They make a living off of learning and teaching and doing everything that they can to make sure that across the board you're learning the same thing over and over and over. It's that repetition. And we're not going anywhere. We are not grant funded. And so, you know, there, there's no money trail. And so the reason that we're doing this is not for the paycheck. It's not because the school district wrote a check. It's because we genuinely believe in what this program has to offer and the benefits of it. And so I think that's, that's the biggest thing of getting into the school district and Kip has been so far very wonderful to work with. He's been super um, eager Mm -hmm. to hear what we have to say and, That alone is a huge step. I think when you can introduce a new program or organization and someone's eager to listen to you, you're doing something right. And so I think it's just getting in and bringing that consistency and that structure to the kids and a familiar face and not expecting your teachers to do it for you.
0: So how big of an organization is this? Is this just locally here in Gillette, or is it across the country, across the world?
1: Happy Girls started here in Gillette, like I said, with Melinda Perry, and we have gotten attention from 13 countries around the world. Holy cow. Right. And so this is not, like I said, we're not going anywhere. We are on the brink of an explosion. And if we can bring this program to you and your kids, and then your kids go to college in a new state and take it there there's no reason that this couldn't be global. Um, the, who doesn't like the message? I mean, what, what, you know, there's nothing but benefits Mm -hmm. within the message of what the happy girl campaign stands for. Um, I have some analytics that Mm -hmm. just kind of let you know what we're facing and what we're looking at and what the ultimate goal, um, of happy girls is. And this is what these kids that are already coming into this program, um, just to kind of give you a preface to this, we have started our first chapter here in Gillette of the Happy Girls Don't Do That. And what that means is we have a group of high school students who have come together, um, and they have decided to take it upon themselves to start a Happy Girls chapter within their school. And we would love to see this chapter go forward to Mm -hmm. have one in every single high school, every junior high, every college across the United States. And these girls are purposefully working towards change and the goal is to build these chapters let them compete over the year just like DECA FFA Mm -hmm. things like that where they implement programs inside of their communities whether it's community service or anti-bullying campaigns anti-suicide campaigns within their schools um teaching the programs to the littles you know volunteering with the littles and teaching them and then coming to Gillette every year annually every year annually and um competing at a national conference and what they'll do is they will present what their chapter has done over the year Mm -hmm. they will compete there will be some games there will be some um things that they can earn scholarship money for and come here and show us what they've done and how this happy girl campaign has affected them and like i said a, a few analytics that i have um and these are these are not numbers that I've created. These are not numbers that Melinda have created. This is a year worth of a board doing the research. Oh well. Um, one in five students are bullied, and yep. that's every day. I believe that um, cyberbullying. We had kind of talked about that has more than doubled from twenty two thousand and seven to twenty nineteen. And this one, when when I was asked to serve on the board, and we kind of did a preliminary meeting, let's Mm -hmm. say, um, just to kind of get us the information. This is the one that got me uh, as a mother. This is the one that really woke me up and made me say this is a cause that I have to serve. 2,000 children a day per day miss school because of bullying. And that's a lot. 2,000 children a day are giving up their education because they don't feel safe in their schools. And that's... It's heartbreaking. It is. Um, We're failing, you know, um, it says, you know kids who are bullied, they score lower in math, science, and reading, and so your grades are suffering, your school districts are suffering, your teachers are suffering because all of that is reported mm-hmm. uh forty six percent of students twelve to eighteen have been bullied in school, so that 's a lot you're looking at you know half. Mm-hmm. Suicide is the second leading, t- you know, uh, cause of death. We talked about that between girls of ages ten to fourteen, and it's up thirty four percent amongst females. Is that
0: across the nation? As I hear in Wyoming? it's across the nation. Well, I guess I should have worded this different. I'm just curious on like the statistics of like Gillette for those exact same things at Gillette and Wyoming alone, just just because of the way we live.
1: And as soon as we are able to get our hands on those, I will give you an update. But you know, like I said, when we started trying to find these numbers. We are hitting brick walls everywhere we go. I imagine
0: it's probably not something everybody wants out. Right. It's kind of like, uh, well, I mean, it's a leading suicide state in the country. It
1: is. And when you look at that, you don't get any reasoning. You get a very brief description. People are bored. Yep. Um, And you just, there's not a lot out there. But as a board, we have dedicated ourselves to keep digging. And we aren't going to stop until we come up with the answers. And that's, you know, essentially what we're trying to do. And, you know, one more for you, Kyle. I have 3 billion females worldwide at some point in their life have been bullied by another female. 3 billion.
0: You know, that, that's, that's crazy that you say by another female. You know, like, I'm, I'm not a female, so I can't talk on that. But as a male, when you were bullied, it seems like there's two options. Grow thick skin or duke it out. You know, and as a male who probably did his fair share of bowling and received his fair share of bowling. At the end of the day, we became all friends. I remember remember in high school, there was people in junior high that I could not stand and we became best friends. You know, and it's just, it's weird to how the two brains are different.
1: It is. Well, and you know, the thing with girls, young girls, especially, um, when we kind of get to women, we start working that out of our system and it takes too much effort. We're too, we're too busy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) as young girls it's it's the weirdest thing because girls who aren't liked um the oddballs you know the the different girls they're bullied and the girls who you want to be they're bullied so there's nobody safe from it when right. once you once you're labeled as a female there's no one who is safe from that because it doesn't matter what you do there will always be somebody you know, who either is jealous of you or hates you or wants what you have. Well, or- I
0: think a lot of that, this is my, my opinion. You can tell me if I'm dumb or not, but I think a lot of that has to do with like, remember when, uh, cosmopolitan was such a popular magazine. Was that what it's called? It was, Cosmo. Yeah. you know, and like, like just like my sisters had it, my mom read it. So, I, you know, granted I looked at it, <clears throat> excuse me, then I had to sneeze there for a second, but, uh, like, it's always get her abs, get her, her face. If you put the top ten most beautiful women together, here's what she'd look like. The toys were so sexually uh, pronounced, you know, Barbies. Everybody wanted to look like a Barbie, you know, and cheerleaders. And it just seemed like, like there was, it was an uphill battle from day one for a female.
1: Well you know and and now you have the cosmo is circling right back to Instagram s- models social media, and women, I think forever have always been subjected to what you're not um, I think men are and you know not not saying it in a bad way, but I think men are built up you know you're you're strong and you're 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 a hard worker and you're all these kind of things. And women, it's just constantly shoved in our face about what we're not. And, you know, look at one of probably the leading industries in this nation is probably weight loss medication, you know, because you make money off of making women feel like they aren't good enough. The beauty industry, look at that. I mean, that's a multi-billion dollar industry. And all they do is make women feel bad about how they look. You know, you'll you'll be prettier if you buy this, or you'll be skinnier if you buy this, or wait, you know, we can fix your wrinkles. We can fix your gray hair. Well, from the time we start noticing that we have bodies and that we don't all look like 10-year-old boys we're just shown what we're not. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get on TikTok, I try not to fall down the TikTok hole because it it drives me insane, but every now and then I will fall down it. And it's just, you're being spoon-fed, you know? And there's an algorithm there that, you know, you'll get five or six videos of these beautiful women and then all of a sudden it pops up, here's a teeth whitening ad. You know, that can't be coincidence.
0: You know, I don't really do TikTok. The only reason I have TikTok is because my wife sends me videos and she <laughs> wants me to watch it. And then, so like I'll let the I'll let the amount of videos she sends me accumulate up, and then I'll open it up and spend five minutes on it, and then close the app again. But I watch a lot of Instagram reels, and I have made it my sole purpose to anytime there's something negative, there's something like uh, chicks shaking their asses, any of that stuff, I skip it. And so I like my algorithm is comedians. And dogs, that's it. <laughs> right. That's all. I, that's all the videos I get, and every so I'll get like, there's some dude talking about being depressed and that. And like sometimes he get some really good messages, and sometimes I'm like, I just tell him, you know, toughen up, cowboy up, you know. And but that that's my algorithm. And Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I'm sure if I spayed any time on TikTok, that's what it would be. It'd be comedians and dogs.
1: Right. I I do like the cop dogs. I will I will admit that that. I do like the cop dogs.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've seen that one yet.
1: Oh, Google that or however that works. TikTok, Google. My, is that a thing?
0: <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay. Not, I really like the ones of the the German Shepherds. If I could stand to have a German Shepherd. My problem is I'd get him as a puppy and fall in love, and then he gets to become a big German Shepherd. I'm like, eh, no thanks.
1: <laughs> um, have you seen the size of your dogs? No, I have. Okay. That's,
0: that's why I like Richard, <laughs> my winter dog.
1: Yeah, but no, I think, you know, just circling back real quick, I think that, you know, you're spot on in so many ways that, you know, we're just kind of bred to be miserable because what would this country lose, you know, if we weren't?
0: Females, women are very unique. Our society would, you know, the joke is, oh, if we didn't have women our society would collapse, and that, but that's true. The role a wife, a mother, a daughter, a female plays in our society is so important for the, for the growth of families, the way our children are raised, the way the, the faith structure in the house is set up. Everybody said, you know, in my household, my wife is the boss. And then that that's that's the way our structure's set up, you know everything we go through her, and that's and it's at the end of the day it's her and I's decision, but I run everything through her. I don't like if I say one of my friends, hey, let's go get drinks. Hold on, let me check with my wife. Let me ask her and see what we got going on before I say yes. Oh, you're just you're whipped. No, I have enough respect for my wife, and I know the importance of her in my family, the dynamics of my family, that I honor what she says and what she ha- what she thinks.
1: Yeah, no, I. You know, and that's such a, a good mentality to have when it comes to a family. You know, my husband does the same thing. Well, I got to check and see what we're doing. And that's not, like you said, it's a respect thing. It's, you know, and it's teaching your kids right back to, you know, what we're teaching our children within this house. And, you know, I, we had a conference in August for Happy Girls. And I was asked to speak at this conference, which was a little intimidating, you know, being the first the first one up. And, um I was sitting there, and I was trying to write it all down because I'm a planner. And Denton Knapp, one of our board members, came up. I don't know if you have met him. If you haven't, get him on your show. He's one of the most amazing people I think I've ever met in my life. I'm honored to serve on a board with him. But he came up, and he says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm writing my speech out. He goes, don't do that. And I said, well, I I need to know what I'm going to say. He goes, you already know what you're going to say. Just get up there and say it. And he goes, don't plan it. Just get up there. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm gonna bomb this, right? But going into what you had just mentioned, you know, women do so much. And that's, I didn't plan for that speech to go that way, but that's kind of where it went to. And I talked about, you know, the fact that as a mother and as a wife and as all of these kind of things, a business owner, you know, all day long, it's have a great day at school. Mm-hmm. You know, how was your day? And regardless of how my day was, it's, it has to be positive when they come through the door. You know, tell me your, my, your favorite thing about what happened today. And, you know, when my husband comes home from work, it's a meal on the table because he's worked in the cold all day. And it's, you know, keeping that family running. And at work, it's keeping my employees running and trying to be positive, even when I know we have a long day, you know, hey, you guys are doing great, and I appreciate you, and we got this, and we can do this, and come on, we're almost there. And, you know, as women, we're cheerleaders. We absolutely 100% are cheerleaders, and we are that for our coworkers, we're that for if we have employees, um, our family, our husband, our kids. And at the end of the day, you know, we tuck our kids in and we say, I hope you have a wonderful sleep and I'll see you tomorrow, you know, tomorrow. And we tell our husbands goodnight. And then we go into the bathroom and we look at ourselves and we go, oh, wow, you look rough. So in a matter of seconds, that cheerleader has now just become a critic. And we do it to ourselves. The person who is usually in charge in most households, the person who is in charge of keeping all of that together, you criticize her. Instead of being her biggest fan and her biggest supporter. And I don't know why women do that. You know, I'm a woman and I don't know why I do it because even sitting on this board and being involved in the things that I am, I would tell another woman not to. I would say, don't do that to yourself. Do not discredit yourself because look at what you do. And I do it to myself. So where is it that women are losing that happiness and that positivity when they look in the mirror?
0: Do you think it's because they're not getting the encouragement from their significant others, their kids, their friends, family?
1: Mm, that's a really good question. I think that, and I have a great husband. Like I said, you you know my husband. He is joy. I mean, he's just, he's zest and joy and all of these positive things, Um, the light of the party. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, Men, I think families get so comfortable and so content. um content, but so used to things just work. You know, when I wake up, my lunch is packed in on the counter. When I need this, it's here. When I can't find this. And I I think sometimes you overlook all the little details that it takes to keep everything running. And I think that it unintentionally you know I think when you have a good husband I don't think he ever doesn't acknowledge his wife because he's a jerk I think it's because you just get so um, I, I can't even think of the word I'm looking for you Amazing. just become accustomed yeah. you know you just become accustomed to the fact that things work and when things work, you don't ever go looking for why they work. You know, if my, if I go out in the driveway this morning and I start my pickup, I don't open the hood of my pickup and go, well, gee, why did it start this morning? I'm just grateful that it started. Mm-hmm. And I don't go looking for why. I just, I'm thankful that it started. And I think sometimes um, marriages and things like that kind of follow the same principle. I'm just thankful that it works and I don't really go looking for why or even give a second thought to why it works.
0: So do you think that should be a, a uh, husband-wife conversation of like just at the end of the day, you get the chance to decompress and not have to worry about the judgment, the criticism. You're, you're just allowed to just decompress and let your feelings
1: out. Mm, you're starting to ask some really good questions that I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> Um, I told you,
0: we'll, we'll <laughs> sometimes they veer off, I give you the list of questions that I normally ask, but every once in a while, you, do, you know, just conversation like this will go in a completely different direction. Right. And
1: um, I can't speak for everybody, because maybe in some marriages that would really work. You know, maybe for some people to sit down and say, I'm thankful for what you did today, and I'm really stressed and tired today, and I think that would work. Um I know for me, when I'm running a business and trying to serve my purpose on these boards and running a family and running to football and soccer and this and that, to actually give a name to my stress sometimes is almost detrimental. Mm-hmm. Um, if I sit down and acknowledge how tired I am, if I really sit down and go, oh my God, I can't, I can't do this, um, it gives it power which sounds kind of weird. I know that sounds like a a silly thing. Um, But if I just keep going, if I just, yeah, I'm tired, but whatever. You know, like you said, cowboy up. That's, you know, that's the mantra. But um, for me personally, giving it that opportunity to raise its ugly head, um, I don't, I don't, I can't do that. I just have to keep, I'm really bad at just keeping going. And every now and then my husband has to be like, stop, stop before you make yourself sick, stop. And we did that, you know, Saturday, we went and did a whole Christmas shopping extravaganza. And, you know, I think we forget to take that breath, especially people who um, like seeing progress, mm-hmm. people who like seeing finished products. And, um, you know, I think as as individuals, we are um, biologically programmed to not only achieve, but to, um,
0: well, we weren't put on this planet to be solitary, right? We were, and we, were, we were designed to go and conquer.
1: And I, and I think, um, you know, like I said, we're biologically programmed to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. And whether that's mowing the yard or trimming the trees or taking out the trash or emptying the fridge on, you know, Saturday morning, whatever it is, we get that fulfillment when we accomplish our tasks. And I'm one of those people who I just kind of thrive on that accomplishment, and so um, I think on one hand it's it's great to be driven and it's great to have grind. And Melinda's always asking if you're living in the in the grind, and um, trying to get yourself out of that that mindset of just constantly grind, grind, grind. And I think um, men do it. I think women do it. But I think um, women are really hard on themselves when they admit that they just can't, I can't do anymore. And, um, I don't know why, I don't know why that is that we just constantly feel like it's not enough.
0: Well, I, I think that has, that goes back to a lot of how we were raised, how we've been raised from beginning of time to now. I think a lot of that is already pre-wired in, into a person's brain. Like, Sarah's always told me that I never wanted to marry my dad, but I married my dad as because I'm I'm a workaholic. You know, this is a this this year was the first time in I don't know how many years I actually took my days off. Like I haven't worked a day of overtime and it's been really good for our family because I've been here so on my days off, I do all the cleaning, I do all the cooking, I do the laundry, I do every you know, the household stuff. Help her with, with kids, you name it, I'm here. But years past, I'd work seven days a week, 45 days straight six months straight, seven days straight, six days straight, and just take that one day off when, when I had to. And it's, it's, my dad was a lot of the same way. He He's a workaholic. And I, I have that feeling that my kids up until this point in time have seen that they're, they're starting to get that workaholic built into them too. And I, I think it's just cause that's how my side of the family is wired. If that makes
1: sense no it does you know and um you know my husband worked out of town for years yeah and
0: that's so that's that is <laughs> that is I'm not gonna say it, it's like like Tom Brady quote it's like being in the military it's hard it's hard on a family when one person is gone and it's everything's left to the to the right. spouse
1: right and you know and I think as um, caregivers you know because women are you know, we're caregivers, we're, we're the homemakers We're you know, that's, and I'm not saying that in a, this is your job Mm. kind of way. I'm saying that in, that's just kind of how we're programmed. And so when your husband calls you when he's working out of town and he's, you know, been on 14, 16 hours and you can tell, you know, that he's just exhausted, he's sleeping in a hotel room, he's having fast food or, you know, I used to cook and and send frozen things, but it's different than a home cooked meal. Mm Mm-hmm the last thing that you want to do is say, I'm so tired. I am so tired and it is so hard here alone. And it is, you know, for us, you know, the horses need fed and it's 40 below zero and I just, I can't do this and I had to chop wood and you don't want to complain because he's working equally as hard and at least I'm sleeping in my own bed. And that was kind of my, you know, thinking when, you know, he was traveling and so it goes back to the holding ourselves to a standard that sometimes is really hard to, um, to meet.
0: Well, you know, I think the standards, holding ourselves to standards that are hard to meet, I think that's a great spot for growth. Like that, that allows for the ultimate growth in a, in a person.
1: Right. And I think, um, you know, as we start to get older, you know, we all kind of have these seasons as we grow and, You know, at one point that growth was, you know, I want to pay my own cell phone bill. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to buy my own car. I want to, you know, be able to afford something other than noodles in a cup. You know, I want to be able to pay for dinner when I go out. And I think the season that people our age are kind of coming to is what does that growth look like? Um, Retirement. (laughs) (laughs) Retirement, right? Um, I think that we're kind of in that season where we have to kind of take a really hard look at what's important. Um, I've made money, you've made money, you know, and at one point in time that was growth. That that bank account was growth and that constant grind to get those, you know, $10,000 paychecks or whatever it might be, you know, that was growth. And now growth for me is being able to stay home on a Sunday. Yeah, you know, being able to sit at home all Sunday long and not have anywhere to go because I've planned so well during the week that there's nothing to do, um, and I think that you know as we grow that that definition of growth changes with us.
0: As I've gotten older, my definition of growth is be more involved in my family. Right. You know, like like your husband, I spent did the traveling stuff, and I missed so much. I missed anniversaries birthdays, holidays, you know, and, and I sit back and I'm like, yeah, that, you know, we got a lot of nice things because of it, but was it really worth what I gave up?
1: Right. And we've had that same conversation is, you know, the money that came with that, because that's all it was. It was money. Um, what did that cost you?
0: Got, like, I It cost me everything. Right. You know, it, it cost me two years of not being, seeing my boys. It took me two years of not being around my wife consistently there it when I when I did finally come back you know there's times it'd be a week sometimes it would uh, the one time it was almost two years before I got to come back home in or a year and a half I guess but uh I I didn't know where I belonged I didn't know what to do I didn't know what my role in the family was I didn't know what my role in my kids's life were I mean it cost me everything right And, and, and and to step back now four years later and look at that kind of breaks my heart yeah. That, that I did that, you know, and there's always the conversation we've had, especially when COVID happened. Uh, I was like, well, I'll just go back to contracting. I'll go be a contractor and we'll build, you know, we'll keep this house running because when COVID happened, they shut a lot of stuff at the mine down.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, we had a savings account, but I really didn't like living out of it. And I, like I told her, I was like, you know, I, I'll make the sacrifice. I'll go back to contracting. We'll be okay. We'll be fine. And it was, no, we'll get through this together. And I, like I kind of made me tear up a little bit because I've never had anybody in my life say that to me. Right. We'll do this together.
1: Right. And, you know, we had the same conversation, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, the economy and, you know, what's going on. And like you said, especially when COVID hit mm-hmm. and it was right. the same conversation of, no, we've done that, you know, we had to do it and we'll find a way through it this time, mm-hmm. you know, together. And there again, it's that season of growth. And, you know, you, you give up so much and it's, you know, and we talk about the sacrifices that women make, but you know, dads, dads sacrifice a lot. And I think dads are probably one of the greatest thing that God has ever created. You know, I have a phenomenal dad and, you know, you know, for my husband, it was, you know, things like watching wrestling tournaments on the tablet, Mm -hmm. not being there, but still trying to be as involved as he possibly could to show our son that I'm not there, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about, again, you know, the things that women give up, but men sacrifice their bodies, their home life, their everything. And when you, it goes, you know, we've kind of done a lot of talking today, but it goes back to that family that's involved, you know, that family that it bothers you to be gone. You know, there's some people who will pack their things and leave out this door, and I'll see you in three, four months and it doesn't, you know, it's a phone call here and there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you have these families that are so committed to each other, it should bother you to walk away from your family. It should bother you that, you know, two years you missed out on your family. It bothers me. And my husband and I had that same conversation where if you go on the road, you know, I, I can't guarantee that this is, you know, still be here. what you're going to come home to because i don't think anybody gets married to live apart right. you know and when you have to you know when you have to and there's no other options then by all means do what you have to do to raise your family but when you when you get to a point in your life that you really start focusing on what matters i think the glitz and glam of that bank account doesn't quite mean as much as it used to
0: well and like not only that but like trying to keep up with the joneses i right. think i think that gets people in a lot of trouble not only financially but uh well, so-and-so, you know, Mr. Rogers' wife, she had this done and that done. You know, look at her. Isn't she pretty? You know, comments from husbands that like that are, are pretty detrimental to
1: right. a family. I agree. I absolutely or,
0: agree. Or Mr. Rogers' kids act this way. You know, what is he doing different than me? And I got a friend that he's always, I don't understand how come your boys are so good. And he's he's kind of a stay-at-home dad. And I'm like, it's because I talk to him. Right. You know, I'm. I'm present as much as I possibly can but I also have we have boundaries we have rules well I have all that too but it's the way you talk to them you know you can't take way I way I parent and put it into your house because it's not going to work it's going to be mass chaos right. I'm a completely different human than you are I, my parenting style is completely different you just got to find what works for you
1: you know, Matthew McConaughey had a speech, and I, I try to stay away from the Hollywood tabloids, mm-hmm. but he had a speech for an Emmy or whatever that he won, and they talked to him about competing, about competition, you know, trying to be better than the next person. And he said something that kind of resonated, and he said, "I don't, I don't compete to be better than you, I compete to be better than me. Right. And that's you know families need to do the same thing. I I'm not competing with your family. Right. I don't. I don't care what your family is doing. You know our family needs to be better today than it was yesterday, and we need to breed better humans. And we need. I tell my kids all the time, you know, leave the world better than you found it. And I think that's there's so much of trying to have what everybody else has that you lose out on what you're creating.
0: And see, and I, I think a lot of the hardest sayings for me is leaving that suitcase at the door, leaving the outside world that I'm dealing with, leave that one at the door and pick up my suitcase and come inside the house, Right, my home suitcase.
1: Do you think that's because, not that I'm the interviewer, but do you think <laughs> that's because, again, we're just being taught to bring it all in?
0: Uh, I, I didn't really have, the, the male role models that I had in my life were some pretty hard individuals, I was basically raised in a welding shop from the time I was eight until 26. That was the type of people I was around. And so my, my, the, the, the characters that I had around me, my role models, like they, they, they were about them. They, They, you know, they, they had kids that they, yeah, cool. I see them when I see them had wives, they had girlfriends besides their wives So my my role models, I never really had any. And like when I was with my dad, it was because he was he had a a very large company, so there was no separation from home and work. It was always one hundred ten percent work. And so as as I've grown with Sarah, I've had to really train myself on how to do that. It's been a lot of trial and errors, and I've screwed up more than I've succeeded. But I'm I'm a constant work at work working on it. So, I, I guess I don't really don't know how to answer that. Cause
1: <laughs> yeah, like I said, no, I'm not the interviewer, but it's just a just a question.
0: But, well, I think that role models may play a huge part in everybody's lives, even I think even I would as agree. now. You know, and I, I try to surround myself with people that have the same goals as I do, or are driven. You know, and I mean, not so much the same goals, but have the same drive, like. Like uh, Mike, him and I with our this podcasting media company that we're trying to start, you know, we're both always constantly. Well, what are we going to do next? What, what what can we do? This what what do we need to buy? You know, this little setup was almost ten grand. You know, for two microphones, a computer, and an interface, and then the software. You know, we got some money invested in this, but he sees the the end process of it. He's he he sees the path, understands that the next couple of years are going to be slow growth, but we'll get there. You know, and I, I try to surround myself with people like that that are driven because if I don't, I'm going to become just another, just another coal miner.
1: A product of your environment. Exactly. Right.
0: You know, I, I would, when I first got divorced, my first marriage, I spent all my time in the gym and I worked out and worked out, lost a lot of weight. I was like 350. I dropped down to 195 and then I broke my back playing rugby and then I went right. I stopped hanging out with the people that kept driving me to go to the gym and I went back to my old old ways you know drinking all the time eating out didn't really care didn't take care of myself and now those actions have led into heart problems kidney problems liver problems ulcers gout I mean you name it and now I'm working now that I'm have myself in another group a group that I a support group I'm now getting back into let's start eating healthier let's cut back to drinking Let, let's start let's get back to what you know you can be what you what you your purpose, and so, and I, I think that who you surround yourself with really matters in this world.
1: No, I think you, I think you're hitting it right on the head here. You know, and you had talked about the role models that you get, you know, while you're growing up. And, you know, I came from a family who was, um, I don't think you get parents who are more grounded than mine. Yeah. Um, obnoxiously so, like the the do riders of the universe. <laughs> um, they just. Right is right, and wrong is wrong, and there is no gray. And that's kind of how I was raised. Um, My dad didn't, I, I, gosh, I'm older than I would like to admit, and I don't remember one time that my dad was out at the bar instead of sitting at the dinner table, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, We just didn't, they didn't do that. My parents were married because they loved each other. And they were together and that meant all the time. I mean, they packed up and moved here two and a half years ago and they are, I call it Grinch Mountain because my dad is very cantankerous, but (laughs) they are living in Arizona and that's just, you know, when COVID hit, they, they just shut down and it wasn't a big deal because they have lived in close quarters, you know, my whole life and prior to that. And our family structure was so solid. Um, If you had something to say, if you had something that was bothering you or something that you needed help navigating through, you went and asked for help. And what I loved about my parents was you were never given the answer, ever. Mm -hmm. And we were always forced, and I, I do mean forced, because when you're 15, 16, and you're looking for that answer, you were forced to see both sides and come up with an answer yourself. Um, Never given. There was never anything given. And what that has now created is um, logical thinking. Yeah. Because I don't expect you to tell me how it's going to work or what I'm going to do with my day. Um, It's created this this source of logical and strategic thinking and planning because I've been guided that way, you know, from the time I was a child. And you know, your behavior, your behavior counts. You know, my mom used to say, you're a you are a reflection of, you know, me and your dad. And I think that tying back into the happy girls that, you know, we're losing a lot of that accountability and, um, the importance of what we're representing as a family, even outside of our home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, growing up, the environment was so solid and it was so protective and kind and loving that there was never a need to search for anything else. You know, we had kind of talked earlier about, you know, not wanting to be seen or wanting to be seen for something different. And I think when you're raised in that kind of environment where you're just accepted and loved, there is no need, you know, to to hurt or to be angry or to be all of these things. And you know, if more families created that environment, if more families created that safety when you walk in that door, I think you would see so many changes and, you know, changes on, you know, the spectrum of everything we've talked about thus far from, you know, the bullying or the self-doubt or the, as an adult, you know, what you put yourself through or the groups that you, you know, tie yourself into because you expect more out of yourself and more out of the people who you surround yourself with because you've been taught that you have value from the time you're little.
0: No, I agree. I agree with that 100%. Uh, I think happy girls don't do that is going to be a phenomenal thing. Once it gets into, once you guys get your rooted into the school, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a powerful deal. I, I think that's something that all schools should open, come with open arms and take that. Cause if you you don't get that in school. You don't get, you don't, get uh, the tools to deal with your feelings or the how other people affect you you're, you're not getting those kind of tools you're you know like you said you're just getting test you're a test number cool we're done with it
2: right
0: you know and, and I think that uh implementing something like that into the school systems would really help out a lot with society I right. think I think that turn around society pretty quickly
1: well and the um the influence, you know, if you think back to prior to the downfall of the modern American family, mm-hmm. when you turned on the television at night with your family, you saw things like um, Howdy Doody or Andy Griffith or the Dick Van Dyke show, and they, they showcased these very solid, loving, um, sometimes struggling families. They weren't all, you know... Rich families, some of them were up and coming or some of them were struggling, but the Waltons, I mean, they had nothing. and But they showcased that unity. Principles. The principles. And it used to be important to the creators of those programs that that's what they represented when your family turned on the television. And it used to be important to them that when they put music on the radio, if you turned it on in your vehicle with your children, that they were representing your family. Mm-hmm and we've lost that somewhere and it it comes from not my problem right it's not my problem if you know i'm not making you watch your kids watch this i'm not you know if you don't like it turn it off and as a society somewhere we have decided that it's just okay to subject our youth to I mean, the list can go on and on from violence to sex, drugs, drugs, um, infidelity. I mean, we've just we've we've just decided that that's okay, And if you don't like it, then that's your problem. And I think, you know, the school system, you know, used to they used to demand better. If you behaved poorly at school. You were asked to leave. And somewhere in society, we have kind of flopped those roles. If someone is behaving poorly, it's it's your problem to deal with that. And we need to restructure. We need to start going to the source and fixing the source rather than covering it up and just expecting you to move along and be fine with it. Because I'm not fine with it. And as an adult, you're probably not fine with it. But we're asking our kids to just
0: but see if if you were to go to the source that would lead right to the fam- that lead to the mom and the dad and i don't think schools want to get involved in that
2: right
0: when i mean granted i'm a very libertarian you know you do you boo kind of thing but schools getting involved in family matters i think kind of cro- they kind of crosses the line with some people but i think if they were to come at it at a completely in a in a different way rather than we're stepping in To help you out with your kids, more as a hey, here's some education material. You want you should read this. Check it out. You have any questions? Here's a number to call. You know, happy girls don't do that. They might have programs to help you out to help your kid out.
1: Well, and you know, we've talked about that positivity being infectious. Mm. And so, if we can kind of scoop these kids up and start showing them a different way and a different pattern, you know, maybe they go home and they recognize what mom has done for the day, or they you know, take that on to their little brother and sister. And pretty soon, hopefully, if if we're spot on here, that will start transpiring into a new system. It'll start bringing that back into their household. And instead of me fixing it now, you know, your daughter is coming home Mm -hmm. and she's she's putting that she's infecting your home with that positivity. And, you know, we do have programs. Melinda does coach programs like the, um, oh, my husband and I took it. It was the, fifth, oh, my gosh, I'll have to get back to you on that one. It was the family coaching session where basically what they do is they sit down and they do a test for all your children's strengths. And I've talked to your wife about mm-hmm. it because it was one of the most valuable things that we've ever done. And you start noticing what your strengths are. And so that family course is, it is available out there. And so if anybody's listening, you know, we can, we can get you that If anybody's listening. Okay. So to all of the people who are listening, <laughs> if you're interested in that family coaching program, it's amazing. I did it with my husband. I did it with my kids.
0: You'll have to send me the details and I'll add it into the show notes.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, we we did it, and it's it's little things that you learn. You know, for instance, my son, one of my sons. You've met my son. He's um, he's a lot. Um, yeah, but he's a good kid. He is a good kid. He's a very very good kid and strong minded. Yes, that's a good thing. Yes, and um, very set in his ways. He's very beliefs are they run high with that little guy.
0: He's he's got some leadership qualities in him.
1: He does. Um, you know, which is funny that you say that because his top strengths are competitor. And, um, he is a negotiator and he's an energizer, which means that he is all go all the time and he will be right regardless of what he has to do to get there. And so it teaches you little things like, you know, Melinda has taught me a phrase that I'm sure my son hates, but it works really well. And that's, this is a conversation, not a competition. Mm -hmm. And it's those little things that you can do to rewire that, that structured thinking and just kind of put them on the right path to use their own strengths. Um, so yeah, that strength-based education and coaching is something that is pretty cool.
0: Well, the world definitely needs more of it. Need a lot more of it. I've I've talked about society in a few past episodes, and I and I, the way we're going, we're not going to last. No, this this isn't going to last much longer if we keep going down the same track we're going. And it seems like there's nobody out there that in leadership positions that really care. And I don't know if that's just because society has given up liberties for security, given up safety for comfort, but what, what we're doing is it, you know, you go back to wanting to see the statistics for COVID and then how the interactions and family. Uh, I'd like to see the statistics from nineteen fifty, nineteen sixty, to now, to what, how that the happiness, how happy people were back then versus where we are now.
1: I'm I'm imagining there's probably a huge decline, with the, more things. Right. Think about that. We are in a society where you have at your fingertips anything you could want to see. Um, more money than probably any generation in your, you know, as far as, you know, dollar wise Mm -hmm. and what you're putting into your pocket and what you spend. I mean, broke people now spend way more money than broke people used to, you know, and we're still declining. So we're in a society where we have everything we want and it's, we're still not happy. We're, we're less happy than we were when families had nothing but each other.
0: Well, uh what how's the saying go? Hard times make hard men and easy times make weak men. I that, I know I butchered that, but along that, I think everything's so easy now to to get a hold of. You know, like you said, you got in your pocket something that you can watch anything you want, and we choose to watch porn.
1: Right.
0: You know, that that's that's just it. So it was easy times. Make I think it's easy times make weak men and strong time hard times make strong men, and we're about to see a really hard time coming. I agree, and I don't think society. I don't think our kids are prepared for what's about to happen. Right, and I think with this program, I think it's going to give kids families the tools to start navigating through what's what's coming.
1: Right, and we talked about that Gallup strength coaching with Melinda, and you know, kind of feeding off of this analytics for happiness,
2: mm-hmm.
1: this when you're living in your best life, when you are working with your strengths and, and finding out what those are and how they work best for you, there's a 7.8% increase in your productivity levels. Um, you know, you're three times more likely to report having an excellent life. Think about that. If if you just learn what works best for you and how you're designed to live In a way that um, is positive and works exactly how you're supposed to, whether that's if you are a team player, or if you are an individual, or if you are all of these different things, if you put your best foot forward, you're three times more likely to have an excellent life, and those are those are proven statistics. That's not
0: well. Not only that, but that also will allow that will bring people that are going to help you out three times better that you're going to start surrounding yourself with people like that. Right.
1: Exactly. You know, um, you, it's things from maximizing your potential. Um, you know, you even achieve more daily. Think about if you wake up and you have a day where you're just depressed and you, Oh my gosh, I don't want to get out of bed. You know, I just, ugh. And we kind of tend to live in that rut, you know, but on those days where you wake up and you're happy and you're look at what you accomplished. Well, gosh, I, you know, the yard needs mowed or I need to fix that fence or, and that's not because the day is better. It's because you had a more positive outlook on that day, which has in turn made your day more positive and productive.
0: Well, and speaking on that, it, I think it also like, so I always, I always, always said that my life was really great before I met my wife. And I, I kind of had that mentality. And the more and more time I started spending with my wife, dating, and then when we got married and waking up to her every day, I couldn't imagine my life without her. She is probably the strongest person I ever met in my life. And the things that she drives me to do has made me a, such a much better person. And I don't think I would have ever gotten that if I'd never met her. And the reason why I met her was because I was in that mindset of growth, putting my best foot forward, trying to build on everything that I had and make me... Take me to that next level, and going back to women, wives, caretakers. A blessed man is a man who finds a wife. That's right out of the Bible, and I, I think that we need to start really start thinking about that. A a truly strong blessed man is a man who finds a wife, and I, and I think once we honor that and respect that, I think we'll go further.
1: Well, as a wife, I think I would have to agree on that one. Um, But, you know, it it all boils down to if you, and here's just an example, if you want to achieve in your job, which most men do, men are very driven, um, what do you do? You work harder, you start putting in the overtime, you invest in that job. If you want to make more money on the stock markets or you want to do, you invest in that You know, if you want to put new siding on your house, you know, what do you start doing? You start investing in the value of your house so that you can, you know, upgrade or whatever you need to do. And it seems like we forget that that applies to our families, Mm to our our husbands, our spouses, our children. Um, We forget that that investment is equally, if not more important when it comes to right here in your own home. Um, And you have to invest in it you have to spend the time, you have to, you know, tend to it, you have to sew it, you have to do all those things and watch it grow. And I think once you start seeing that, um, and, and build that moral compass back within inside of families, I think the, the potential for what we could do as a society and kind of turn this curve because we're kind of flying off it, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of at the point where it's either corrected or, you know, we're done for. Exactly. And we have to find a way to navigate that curve. And I think it's building that, that base, Mm -hmm. rebuilding the groundstones that make up family and make up, you know, our youth and our youth are the ticket. You know, we talk about, if you go through history, it's always been the youth. It's always been the up and coming generations who have made these huge changes in history. Um, look at you know the 70s mm-hmm. it was those those kids who know we're gonna we're gonna feed it to the man we're gonna buck the system and it made this entire generation of these free loving you know however you want to word it hippies hippies <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't gonna go there but um it just kind of rerouted how society was and then you know from the free loving hippies you kind of went into the the rockers and the driven and let's have some young professionals and let's have some women professionals. And you started kind of seeing that snowball in the eighties and you, then from there, you know, and it's always been the youth. I think the ticket for anything is always the children that you're raising.
0: But you you also can't build a house on, on a sand foundation. You got to have a strong foundation that comes back to the parents.
1: So, and and community. You know, we mm-hmm. kind of talked about holding each other accountable and that, you know, that one person can make a difference and
0: So, I got one more question for okay, you. Okay, I'm ready. We're going to talk about the community. Where do you see Gillette's community, let's just put it is it a strong foundation? Is Gillette's community a strong foundation for children and the problems
1: that we're facing? I think In my opinion, I think Gillette has a lot of positives. Um, I think there's a lot of good that's just waiting to happen. Um, You have This is probably one of the most involved communities I've ever been to when it comes to what you're involved in, but it kind of goes back to that we're all so busy. Mm -hmm. We're all so busy that we're just on the go all the time. And I would personally love to see Gillette come together more, in terms of slowing down, slowing down, and really making the time that we do serve in our community count, um, we are a community that thrives on more, and that's more money and bigger things. And you know, you you travel the state, you hear it. Oh, Gillette, they've got the boats and the campers mm-hmm. and the, this. We are a community that very much thrives on more, and I would I would love to see Gillette put that same effort into programs and, um, functions that involve children. And we do have a lot of things. I'm not, I'm not discrediting, Mm -hmm. but it's as easy as what do these kids have to do? You know, when we were kids, we had, um, Oh gosh, we had like the pool hall and and things like that. Haystacks. Yeah, we there was there was a few things, um, but Gillette doesn't have a whole lot of positive, um, interactive spaces for children. If your children, if your child isn't um, involved in youth groups or things like that, there's just not a whole. There's a lot of kids out there that are just kind of hanging in the balances.
0: And yeah, well, I've also kind of noticed that like the FFA has kind of really gone down. Like you don't hear about it nearly as prominent as it used to be.
1: Right. Um, You know, the dances. But on the other hand, that kind of also, and I I actually just had this conversation with my daughter last night. My daughter's 14 and, you know, the whole world is falling apart because that's the age Mm -hmm. that you're at. And, you know, I told her that the community, the youth in the community is also responsible for the lack of, things to do here because if you don't hold that value and if you you know remember when we would go someplace and if you misbehave you got kicked out Mm -hmm. um you can't bring those kind of uh businesses or things like that into the community if you don't have young people who value your space or give good examples of their behavior when they're out. So it, it kind of is this hand in hand, you know, the, the youth wants more things to do. And as a parent, I would love to be able to drop my kid off somewhere, but I've also sat with people's kids at football games and it's F this and F that and F this. And so the quality of young people that we are putting into the community has to be a representation of what they want to get. You know, you can't, go out and act a fool and expect people to want to invite you into a new establishment. So I don't know. That's a, that's a hard question because there is a lot of support from Gillette. There is a lot that Gillette has to offer. Um, And maybe it's just finding the different programs and the different people to bring those programs forward for people to get involved in.
0: Well, you you brought up uh, how our our youth acts out in public. Uh, I actually had kind of the same conversation with Kendall, my oldest there was a comedian magic show deal, and I didn't go. But, like I told him, that I'm, I'm my name is well known in this community. There's enough people that who know me and know that you're my son. So when you act like an asshole, guess who's gonna find out? And it doesn't take very long before it gets back to me. And I've always told I've told my boys, if you can't do it in front of me, then don't do it. And that leaves a lot of things open. I said, but and I tell them, if you can't do it in front of me, then don't do it. If you if you're gonna act act a fool, I'm going to find out. You know, and that's, like you said, that's keeping their actions accountable. And, I, and I, I don't think there's a lot of parents that really care how their kids act out in public.
1: Right, as long as, you know, in that... that, that that's of, our
0: time. That's, they're, they're, out, they're out of our hair. They're not our problem right now. And they're somebody else's problem.
1: Right, and that kind of goes back to the detached parenting method. Right. You know, as long as somebody's taking care of them, as long as they're alive somewhere, well, we need to expect more. Right. We need to expect more than they leave alive and they come home alive. There has to be the accountability that's in the middle of that section, mm-hmm. where, you know, if you if you behave poorly, you know you you're ruining it for everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, and, I, there's some adults in this community that need to understand <laughs> that too. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a <laughs> that's
1: a conversation for another day. This this positivity um, podcast it's is supposed to be positive. <laughs>
0: Well, I'd also like to
1: find the problems and
0: find solutions to problems. But but what else do you got? Uh, what else you got to plug? I know I you got some things coming up.
1: I do. I have a plug. Um, so we are going to be hosting a new event to Gillette. We just kind of talked about bringing new things in mm-hmm. and having the community get involved. And so we are having a New Year's Eve gala. And that will be hosted by Happy Girls Don't Do That at the tech center for the college. And that will be, like I said, it'll be New Year's Eve. We are going to be doing a Great Gatsby theme. So anybody who attends is um, encouraged to come in 1920s attire. We'll be having hors d'oeuvres, desserts, dancing. There's actually going to be a 1920s dance coach. So there'll be some fun things going on. Games, champagne at midnight, and the money raised for from this event are is going back into scholarships and awards for the youth who promote gratitude and happiness and positivity within their communities. So um, it's going to be a really fun event. It's going to hopefully bring in a lot of traffic. We'd like to see some ticket sales. So if you want to get those ticket sales, you can search the Great Gatsby Gala on Facebook or you can um, contact me if you're local. You can always get a hold of me and um, find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Happy Girls Don't Do That. And like I said, that's, that's New Year's Eve, so we're hoping that the community kind of comes together and, and really does some positive things. We have some great sponsors. Um, the Cemetery District has been amazing to work with. They jumped on board with us right away. Um, employees of Hub The Prime Rib Restaurant will be doing our catering, and they've been a fantastic sponsor. Sam has been great. Kona Consulting, Danielle at Kona, has really been a huge voice for this. And then we have Five Diamond Cattle & Company, uh, Back to the Rack has decided to go ahead and jump on board as sponsors, and Specialty Photography, and of course... Our Hometown. Our Hometown Podcast.
0: Well, we'll definitely do everything we can to push it out on all of our social media and on my personal note, i'll I'll make sure to put in the show notes everything, that, how to get a hold of you, your Facebook, uh, the uh, Happy Girls Don't Do That, Facebook, uh, I'll just try to promote the hell out of it. Absolutely. I, I, really
1: I will get you the um little flyer for the event, and you can post that on there, and that'll have all the details, the time, and how to um, get your tickets.
0: Unfortunately, I won't be able to get that night off. I'll be at work, but, you know. It happens.
1: You're you're there in sponsorship spirit and well, we appreciate that. I'll
0: try to send Sarah to go be my voice. <laughs> okay. I really Damn. appreciate it. That this is I think this is a great thing for Campbell County and schools abroad. I, I think this is something that's been needed for several, several years.
1: I do too, and um, you know if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you don't even have to be local. That is the great thing about this. If you, I'll have Kyle post that information as well. But if you have a high school student, and it doesn't have to be girls. You know, we kind of didn't touch on that. Um, when girls are happy, boys are happy. That's just kind of the the
0: happy wife, happy life. Happy
1: wife, happy life. But um, this isn't just structured for girls. So if you have a student who is struggling in that community where they just kind of need a niche. And um, a student who wants to make a change, mm-hmm. get on Happy Girls contact us let's talk about starting a chapter in your community let's talk about bringing this program to your community we have some amazing board members that can walk you through it Melinda and her strengths coaching um, is just it's a tool that I think everybody should utilize so if you have a student if you have a child if you are an adult who wants to bring a chapter into your school or your community reach out to us Um, let's let's get this message far and let's make it really loud
0: I agree well it's been a pleasure. I'm Thank glad you are able to do this, and we'll definitely do this again.
1: I am, too. Thank you so much for having me.